So good morning, listeners, and welcome to Common Sea Inspirations, being produced here in our Common Sea studio here in Ada, and this the 29th Sunday uh, September, the 26th Sunday in Ordinary Time, the last Sunday in September. My name is John Keeley, and help me to produce the programme this morning is Shane Ambrose. Good morning to you, Shane. Good morning, John. How are we keeping? We're good. Thanks a lot, Shane, for joining us this morning. And also joining me uh, this morning is... Uh, my dear lady wife, Anne, a, a resident prayer guide, and she's going to help us out with some prayers this morning. Good morning to you, Anne. Morning, John. Morning, Shane. Morning, listeners. Great to have you all back again this morning, and this for another edition here of Come and See Inspirations. We also want to, of course, uh, especially welcome those listeners who are housebound, lonely, struggling in some way today, and also our listeners who support us in prayer each week. Thanks so much for joining us each week and today. This programme, as people would be aware at this particular stage, is broadcast on Sacred Space and the Sacred Space programme at West Limit 102 FM local radio at 10am and 11pm each Sunday. And it's available for playback and download and come and see inspirations at buzzsprout.com. Like I said, there's a link to that on our sacredspace102.blogspot.com website. But also people can get it on Spotify. Shane just let me know about that recently. So again, if you've got Spotify at all, just search for Come and See Inspirations and you'll be able to gain access for all of our podcasts there. As usual today, our programme will have some saints for the week. In part two of the programme, uh, Shane is actually going to share some some news from around the world, from around the Catholic world with us. And in part three, as usual, we will reflect and um, and read the Sunday Gospel for this particular week. If you want to contact us at all during the week, or this morning, any time at all, uh, you can text us at 87 That's 87 Or you can email us, and that's on sacredspace102 at gmail.com. So with this part of the programme, as usual, we'll ask Shane to share some saints whose feast days we celebrate this week, uh, and uh, maybe we can learn a few things from them, Shane. Thank you, Shane. Thanks, John. <clears throat> so uh, this week, as John said, it is the 26th Sunday in Ordinary Time. So it's the 26th week in Ordinary Time. Now, today, of course, is the 29th of um, September. So today would normally be the feast day of the Archangels, Saints Michael, Gabriel and Raphael. But obviously, because it's a Sunday, we don't celebrate the feast this year. So tomorrow, Monday, the 30th, tomorrow is the feast day of Saint Jerome. Now, Jerome is an interesting guy. He's a priest, doctor of the church. He lived in around 347 to 420 AD, and he's most famous for having translated the Bible into Latin. So he was he was the person that made what is known as the Vulgate. Um, which was the um, the key version of scripture that was used by the Catholic Church pretty much up until the 1930s, um, when kind of they went back and looked at the translation again and just kind of updated it ever so slightly from the original Greek and Hebrew. Jerome's an interesting guy. He's a patron saint of Liberia. Uh, if you visit in if you visit the Holy Land. And you visit, I think it is, I'm not sure if it's Nazareth or Bethlehem, I think it's Nazareth. You can actually visit the chapel, which is dedicated to where St. Jerome is said to have said Mass. So then on Tuesday, hard to believe, we're into the 1st of October already. 
And Tuesday is the feast day of that great favourite of many people, St. Therese of Lisieux, St. Therese of the Child Jesus, or otherwise known as the Little Flower. So she was, of course, Mary Therese Martin, died at the Carmel in Lisieux in 1897. She is a doctor of the church, patron of the missions, aviators, and of France, obviously enough. The French seem to like um, making as many patrons as they possibly can. And, of course, she's famous for writing her great autobiography, The Story of a Soul, trying to do uh, the little things extremely well, uh, which I think sums up the teachings of this uh, French saint. Tuesday, now sorry, Wednesday is one I think for the kids, and I would say particularly to grandparents, just to point it out, Wednesday is the feast of the guardian angels. Uh, so it's always a good one maybe to check in with the grandkids and remind them about their guardian angels. Um, then on Thursday, we have the feast day on the Irish calendar of Blessed Columba Marmion. Now, Columba Marmion is one of our uh, blesseds on the, ch- on, the ch- on the calendar at the moment. He is associated with, uh, he was born in Dublin. He was ordained a priest in Rome. Uh, he served in Dundrum and he also taught at, at Clonliffe College. And then he entered a Benedictine Abbey in Belgium in um, Maridusus, I think is how you pronounce it, in 1886. He's quite famous, particularly in Benedictine circles, because he uh, wrote quite a trilogy of books. um, Christ, the Life of the Soul, Christ and His Mysteries, and Christ, the Ideal of the Monk. And they're regarded as serious spiritual writings of the 20th century. And... He, uh, he was beatified in 2000 by John Paul II. So he's one of our own. He's, he's an Irish saint. And as far as I know, he's also one of the saints of the Install Abbey to which he's dedicated. Uh, then on Friday, now just remind people, Friday is the first Friday. Saturday will be the first Saturday for those observing the devotions. Friday, the 4th of October, is the feast day of St. Francis of Assisi, the, the great saint of Assisi who abandoned all things for the love of Christ. Um, and obviously he was a stigmatist he suffered the stigmata patron saint of ecologists very important at these times as the whole climate crisis thing develops um, obviously very well known for um, he was he for for the Franciscans and the focus on poverty interestingly enough John St. Francis was never ordained a priest he was only ever a deacon uh, and, uh, but he, and he only was ordained deacon because under the rules uh, only a person who is in orders, as in ordained, uh, can head up a religious congregation. So that's the only reason he was ordained a deacon. Finally, Saturday is an interesting one for those that have the devotion to the Divine Mercy. Saturday, the 5th of October, is, of course, the feast day of St. Faustina Kowalska, who is the seeress of the Divine Mercy and received the messages from Jesus for those that have a devotion. Finally, John, as it is the beginning of the month, we look at October and the Pope's intention for the month is that the breath of the Holy Spirit engender a new missionary spring in the church. And of course, that ties in with the fact that October is going to be the extraordinary month of mission in 2019. So that's what we have, John, in terms of this week's saints. Thanks for that, Shane. Um, just, just as you mentioned there about Wednesday, the second, the feast of the guardian angels. Reading somebody in the Irish Catholic there last week, at the diocese of Kildare in Lachlan, they had a stand at the ploughing championships, and one of the thing, one of the initiatives they said they do this year, apart from having a prayer for the ploughing, they also ask people to vote in their favourite prayer. 
And the the, the, the favourite prayer of those who, who participated in the survey at the, at the Plan Championships was the Hail Mary. But second was the prayer to the guardian angels. O angel of God, my guardian dear, to whom God's love commits me here, ever this day be at my side, to light and guard, to rule and guide amen. So it's for the young ones, it's for the old ones, for the grandparents, for all sorts. So thanks a lot again for, for sharing that with us, Shane. Now, at this part of the programme, we'll ask Anne to pray a spiritual communion prayer, especially for those of us, uh, for, for those of our, our listeners who, who are sick, who are housebound, who, who um, throughout their lives used to visit their local church, maybe go to Mass every day, certainly used to go every Sunday, but now can no longer do so. So we'll join with them uh, as Anne prays this prayer for them, pre- uh, prayer for those who can't receive Jesus this morning It's a spiritual communion prayer. Thanks, Anne. My Jesus, I desire to receive you into my soul, since I now cannot receive you sacramentally, come spiritually into my soul. I embrace you as already there, and unite myself wholly to you. Never permit me to be separated from you. Amen. Amen. Thanks for that, eh? Okay, so now we'll go for our first bit of music this morning, and this one... Beautiful piece of music. It's from Liam Lawton's album, uh, Another World. It's sung by Roshin O'Reilly. And this is a version, Ave Maria, There Is A Place. So join us again in part two, where Shane will share some news for us from around the Catholic world.
So welcome back again to the second part of Come and See Inspirations. My name is John Keeley, still joined on the other Skype plan by Shane Ambrose, and Anne is still joining me here in studio. Now, uh, uh, it's been some quite some time uh, that we uh, Shane has joined us to share with us some really a roundup of Catholic news around the world. It's very good to touch base with what's happening within the Catholic world, within Catholic cultures at various parts of the world and issues that we would term as being important, not so important to them, but very important for them and not so important for us. Anyway, Shane's going to just share with us a few things that he's picked out that's happening around the Catholic world. Thanks, Shane. Thanks, John. Um, so, yeah, it's been a while since we did a kind of a roundup of things. So I suppose just a couple of things that are going on at the moment or that will be going on over the next couple of months, just for people kind of to keep an eye on and just to see see what happens and the way it turns out. Um, I suppose starting with things papal, of course, at the moment, um, obviously Pope Francis has had a couple of busy trips. He was in Madagascar and Mauritius and uh, visited South, that part of South Africa. He's also had a trip to Albania. Um, so and the lot of not a lot of coverage, I have to say, in the Irish media on any of those trips. It was definitely better covered um, by some of the more international press. Um, and uh, as well as usual, we could almost say it's hard to believe, John. It's, it's almost twelve months since the Pope was in Ireland, and there was hardly a mention of it uh, or a discussion about it on public radio in Ireland over the summer. So then, in terms of that, of course, one of the big things coming up in Rome in the next couple of weeks, actually starting Sunday week, is actually the Synod of Bishops. Now, this is where bishops uh, gather to discuss an item or issue and then present proposals or whatever to the Pope. Now, usually the Synod of Bishops gathers on global level, as in it's bishops from all over the world. But this year, there is a Synod on the Amazon of bishops for the Pan-Amazon region. So this happens from time to time. Uh, Pope John Paul II did it uh, in the build-up to the Jubilee year in 2000, where he convoked synods for the main areas of the world, like Europe and Oceania and the Americas and so forth. So Pope Francis has convened one for the Pan-Amazon region, and it's meeting from the 6th to the 27th of October. And um, it's an interesting one. The preparatory work started in 2017. Now, the Amazon region, so it basically covers parts of Bolivia, Brazil, Colombia, Ecuador, French Guiana, Guana, Peru, Venezuela, and Suriname. And it's just looking at the challenges facing the church and the communities in that particular region. Now, it'll be interesting to see what happens with this um, synod. Um, it's, it's, it's a peculiar one. The, the, the names of those attending and participating uh, were published by the, Vati by the, the Vatican during the week. And... Um, there's quite a lot of Europeans, quite a lot of Germans, which I found a bit strange. Um, but the, the the preparatory document itself identified the themes of the Synod as the role of women in the church, the rights and traditions of indigenous people, and the need to provide greater access to the Eucharist. And I suppose what's going to make the headlines, particularly in the secular media about this, is the whole discussion about the ordination of married men. Um, the challenge, I suppose, with the Synod, with, this, with the Amazon, I suppose, it's a huge area which covers, um, you know, it's I think it's 6 million square kilometers. It's got something like 400 plus different languages. And there's a huge challenge, of course, trying to celebrate the sacraments and build up Christian community in, in, in that part of the world. And there's, you know, where you could have communities that only see priests twice a year. So the question is, well, then why would you not consider ordaining people who are indigenous to the area 
maybe married elders within communities. So this is one of the things that's been discussed and is going to be looked at. Um, the challenge, of course, or the question that would come out of it is if Pope Francis, for example, agrees to that, is where does one stop? Where does one draw the line? Because the German bishops have already said that if it's granted for the Amazon, they will seek for something similar to be applied in Germany, which kind of, you know, you kind of the mind boggles what's so difficult about Germany as opposed to the Amazon. But anyway, um, you know, so that's the Senate. So we'll keep an eye on that one and we'll see what happens. Speaking of things synodal um, and speaking of our friends in the German church, that's another one to keep an eye on over the next couple of months. Um, the German church is entering into what is called a binding synodal process. Now, John, you'll say to me, well, what does that mean? I don't know. And right at this minute in time, neither does the Vatican, neither does Pope Francis. The only ones that seem to know are the Germans. Um, so they're, they're entering into this process. They're going to be talking about four different particular areas. Oddly enough, the issue of married a married clergy, the issue of celibacy and, mar and women priests, oddly enough, is coming up in that synod as well. And the funny thing about it is the they're not quite sure. Rome is not quite sure what to make of it. Pope Francis wrote to the Germans, the German church in the summer and basically asked them, could you please refocus the areas that you're going to talk about? And they pretty much ignored him. And then uh, they they submitted the rules for the governing of this process. The Vatican went back and said, well, actually, you need to change them. And so far, the German church has ignored them. Uh, so we're going to wait and see what actually comes out of this. It's it's an interesting one. It's going to take two years. And it's it's what's what's kind of getting Rome a little worried about the fact is that there's a majority of lay people involved and they're being given the authority to bind the church in German, Germany by their votes, which is obviously not how the Catholic Church operates. So there is a concern about that. So it'll be interesting to see once again, as they say, watch this space and see what happens. Um, one of the interesting things over the summer that might have caught people's eye was the gift that Pope Francis made to Patriarch Bartholomew. Now, might remember it was back in june i think it was or yes june 29th for the feast of saint peter and saint paul so what has happened over the last number of years is on the patronal feast days um there would be delegations that would go to visit between rome and constantinople so you'd have on the 29th of june uh people from the ecumenical patriarch bartholomew some of his representatives would come to rome to attend the the, the, the papal mass to celebrate the feast of saint peter and paul then on the 30th of November, a bunch from the from Rome would go to Istanbul to attend the Divine Liturgy in the Fanner with Patriarch Bartholomew to celebrate the Feast of St. Andrew because he's the patron saint of the Ecumenical Patriarch. So this year, the, um, the, the delegation from the Ecumenical Patriarch was in attendance in Rome. And after the Mass, they were requested by Pope Francis to go with him to the Apostolic, the, the chapel of the Saint Apostolic Palace in Rome. And in the chapel, he turned around and he turned around and presented them with a beautiful bronze box containing nine relics of St. Peter. And the instruction was, please give that to the ecumenical patriarch. There was no planning. There was no announcement. Pope said afterwards it came to him the day before. And as you can imagine, in some circles, it caused a degree of consternation. Now, I have to say, just so that people are aware, there was a lot of online talk, and I thought it was rather ridiculous, people turning around and saying, the Pope has given St. Peter to Constantinople. That was not what happened. 
in in the 1940s and 19, um, Pius XII ordered excavations under St. Peter's Basilica, and they found what is believed to be the tomb or the reliquary of St. Peter underneath the basilica itself, because tradition has always been St. Peter's Basilica is built on the place where St. Peter is buried after he was martyred under Nero. And at the time, there were the, uh, Paul VI re requested that certain fragments would be removed, uh, relics would be removed, and they were brought to the, the, the papal chapel in the Apostolic Palace, so that Saint Peter, the relics of St. Peter would be there to support the successor of St. Peter. So for people to turn around and say, oh, he's given away St. Peter, that's not true. St. Peter is very much still under the Vatican Basilica. He hasn't gone anywhere. But these, he gave, he, gave nine, uh, he gave nine small fragments. They're tiny. If you see the pictures, they're no bigger than your baby finger um, to the ecumenical patriarch. And I think to say that he probably stunned everyone, probably including the patriarch, um, because it, it was, was an unexpected gift. Um, Pope uh, Ecumenical Patriarch uh, Bartholomew described uh, his gift as a new milestone and a crucial step in the journey towards Christian unity. And I suppose it's you know there there it's 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 continuation of that whole process of trying to rebuild the unity of the churches, um, which started in 1964 with Pope Paul VI uh, lifting the excommunication of the the Orthodox Church. Um, so then, as well as that, John, other things that caught my eye over the summer. Pope Francis to doctors, assisted suicide is false compassion, which I thought was an interesting um, uh, thing. He said, euthanasia or assisted suicide are hasty pats and not an expression of a person's freedom. And uh, he was saying that to Italian doctors, actually only about two weeks ago, he met them and he said to the Italian doctors that they must resist the temptation to participate in assisted suicide or euthanasia, which trades the dignity of the patient for a false compassion. And I thought it was an interesting comment to make, particularly given that this is a discussion that's going to be starting in Ireland in the next couple of months. And it was just, um, he, he, it, was, it was an interesting comment for, for the pontiff to make. Um, then I suppose other things that would catch the eye over the summer um, is, of course, our own Bishop Brendan Leahy had a recent article, um, our recent comment, celebrating Mass uh, in Our Lady Help of Christians Church in Milford, where he was celebrating the centenary of the Salesians arriving in Ireland. Um, he, Bishop Brendan said that we should strive to live by the example of the Salesians, people of joy who welcome others. And he made the point that we all have to work together to respect everyone, and that means a complete avoidance of the use of offence language and building relationships so that racism, intolerance and sectarianism should have no place in Ireland today. And I thought it was a very timely, um, a timely comment. Then on the 8th of September, um, the Feast of the Nativity of the Blessed Virgin Mary, Bishop Kevin Dorn of Elfin uh, was preaching at the Basilica in Knock, and he made the point that um, grandparents, or being a grandparent, is primarily a relationship, not just a function. You know, and he was making, I suppose, in the context of, in his homily, he was saying that there's a tendency in society to value people according to their usefulness rather than for who they are as unique human, human beings. Um, and I suppose it's just for us to remind ourselves that that being a grandparent is primarily a relationship, not just a function, and it shouldn't become a burden. 
And you know, it's 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 an important thing, I suppose, that just to to remind uh, grandparents, I suppose, that you know, he said to them, "I want to encourage you to share the stories of your own faith, um, not just your faith now, but your faith when you were their age, talking to talking to, the, to their, their their grandchildren, and um, help them to see how you are still nourished by the Eucharist." And I think it's it's an interesting one, and it's an important point as well um, to make. Speaking, of course, of Knock, they had a very busy festival, or uh, festival, says I, Novena this year. And um, they're, of course, celebrating the 140th anniversary of the apparition at Knock. Um, so it happened uh, b- 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 in 1879. So uh, that was a, a milestone. And, of course, they had a lot of important guests. And as we've been doing over the last couple of weeks, um, we have been sharing the speakers uh, from the from the Novena uh, to, to on the on here on, on sacred on sacred space 102, so we'll have a couple more of those to share over the next couple of weeks. Right, John. Before we go any further with these things, I think we might just take a small music break. Before we do that, Sharon, because I know I'm going to forget this. Yeah. Uh, I, I picked up something in the Irish Catholic myself, and mm-hmm. maybe people might be aware of this. It's uh, the priest. Uh, it, it's entitled. It was last week's actually Irish Catholic priest unable to comply with the new confession law. The leader of Tasmania's Catholic Church has said priests in his archdiocese will not comply with the law that would require them to break the seal of confession to report suspected child abuse. The law passed last week makes religious ministers mandatory reporters of child, child sexual abuse and requires the Tasmanians with knowledge of abuse to report the crime to police. The Archbishop said the priests were unable to violate the seal of confession under any circumstances, according to Australian News. I believe the Tasmanian Bill will not strengthen protections for children and vulnerable people, but it will have the opposite effect, as offenders will be less likely to come forward to confess their serious sins for fear of being reported. Shane, I was just wondering what your thoughts are on that in terms of that moving elsewhere in the world. I know it's in Tasmania at the moment in Australia, and I think it's also coming to Victoria. Yeah, it's it's a it's a it's a big issue at the moment, obviously in Australia, um, because the Australian Church thereafter their their equivalent of a tribunal of inquiry was a royal commission, and which published very damning reports on the whole issue of child sex abuse and how it was handled or not handled and everything that went on with it, and there's a very strong kickback against the church uh, at the moment um, in Australia. Um, now, rightly or wrongly, there, you know, there's there's both sides to that. Um, the, these things go tend to go in extremes. The issue of the defence of the seal of confessional, um, it's an it's it's an odd one. Uh, we have something similar here in Ireland. People might not be aware of it, um, but the reality, I suppose, is that I think whatever way priests would look at different things within the church, I think there's a General unanimity: the priests themselves will not violate the the, the, the seal of the of, the, of the, the seal of the confessional. Now, it's come up in quite a number of countries. Australia's one. It's also come up in the states a couple of times. Um, it'll be interesting to see what happens. It's also, if you like, to a certain extent, a very impractical law. Some people would say that it's a bit grandstanding um, by the politicians, because I suppose the reality is, if you are in a situation as a priest and you're hearing confession and a person confesses to you. Um, you know, it's 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 difficult to see what exactly that could be done with it. Um, 
But it's 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 it'll be interesting to see what happens. A number of the bishops have come out very strongly in relation to this. Um, a couple of the Australian bishops, and and one bishop was he was asked on on public television in the, in Australia, and he he was asked would he would he would he do it, and his his reply was blunt, no. Mm. He said, in when it comes to this particular issue, I will go to jail if necessary, and there wasn't a whole lot that the commentator could say to him. He was fairly you know he was fairly on the ball in relation to it, so we'll have to wait and see what happens. Um, myself, I don't think it's it's. When you pass legislation, you pass law, there's a couple of things with it. And one of the things is it must be practical and enforceable. And I, I struggle to see how something like this is not just grandstanding by politicians trying to make a point. But then again, I could be wrong. And so let's 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 see how it works out. Okay, so at this stage now, we might just go for that little bit of music. One that we're going to play at the rest of the programme with anyway. And this one is Sweet Low, Sweet Chariot by Valimar Janssen. So welcome back again now, uh, just to give Shane just a little bit of a chance to get his press back and tell us maybe just one or two uh, more items that he wants to share with us in this last two or three minutes of the programme. Thanks, Shane. Yeah, one of the things that caught my eye um, during the week, John, and which didn't really get much coverage, um, as people are aware, the UN General Assembly is going on at the moment or was going on this week. And there was a lot of coverage, obviously, for the whole climate discussion and the intervention of, um, what's her surname, Greta, the, that girl from Sweden, I can't remember her surname. Um, but one of the things that was interesting was, people might may not have been aware, but um, President Trump didn't attend the climate discussions that were going on at the UN General Assembly. Now, uh, people are probably aware, from a political perspective, um, uh, President Trump has issues with climate change and he doesn't believe the science behind us and all the rest of it. Um, we're not here to discuss that one this morning. But what Bishop or what President Trump was doing actually at the UN was he was attending um, as a, a, a talk or a, a discussion around religious persecution. And he was making the point that 11 Christians are killed every day for following the teachings of Christ. And it's an interesting one because um, he's pledged additional money from the U.S. to protect religious freedom and religious sites and relics. And I thought it was an unusual one, of course. Now, it, it feeds into his um, political base in the evangelical church. But I thought it was an interesting one um, that didn't receive any coverage as far as I could see on this side of the world. Um, so it, it just I thought it was interesting because it also echoes something that's happening in the U.K., despite everything that's going on with Brexit, 
Um, the UK is also strengthening their uh, support for persecuted minorities on religious grounds around the world as well. And um, they have appointed a special uh, rep uh, ambassador, if you like, to investigate and work on this particular issue itself, which is a stark contrast to our own government, who have been absolutely silent on the issue. Um, so it's it's something, I suppose, that we maybe we should bring up with our local representatives. So, John, there's just a couple of odds and ends that caught my eye and from the news world over the last while. And uh, just to just for people are, are aware of things that are going on. Thank you very much indeed, Shane. And I'll, I'll just share just one last thing here. And again, I just picked it up from the Irish Catholic Shane, just to mention, to add to what you said early on about the Pope's visits. I believe the Pope Francis is also set to visit Thailand and Japan later on in the year. So he's some man for his age. Anyway, at this, at this part of the programme, we'll continue on with that piece of music that we just started to play there. And um, we'll come back again for the gospel. The piece of music that we're playing, of course, is Swing Low, Swing Chariot by Valimar Janssen. So come back and join us again in part three.
So welcome back again to the third part of Come and See Inspirations. My name is John Keeley, still joined on the other end of the Skyplan by Shane, and of course Anne here in studio. And just before we read and reflect on the Word of God, we invite Anne again to pray this prayer before reading and reflecting on Scripture. Thanks, Anne. Lord, we thank you for pushing us in the presence of your Word, which you inspired in your prophets. May we approach this Word reverently, attentively and humbly, May we not despise this word, but receive all it has to say to us. We know our hearts are closed, often incapable of comprehending the simplicity of your word. Send your spirit to us, so that receiving the word in truth and simplicity, our lives may be transformed by it. Let us not be resistant, Lord. May your word penetrate us like a two-edged sword. May our hearts be open to it. Let not our eyes be closed nor our minds wander. But may we give ourselves entirely to this listening. We ask this order in union with Mary, who used to recite the Psalms through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. Thanks for that, Anne. So now the Gospel for today, which is the 26th Sunday in Ordinary Time, is taken from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 16, verse 19 to 31. Jesus said to the Pharisees, There was a rich man who used to dress in purple and fine linen and feast magnificently every day. And at his gate there lay a poor man called Lazarus, covered with sores, who longed to fill himself with the scraps that fell from the rich man's table. Dogs even came and licked his sores, now the poor man died and was carried away by the angels to the bosom of Abraham. The rich man also died and was buried. In his torment in Hades he looked up and saw Abraham a long way off with Lazarus in his bosom. So he cried out, Father Abraham, pity me and send Lazarus to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue. For I am in agony in these flames. My son, Abraham replied, Remember that during your life good things came your way, just as bad things came the way of Lazarus. Now he has been comforted, here, while you are in agony. But that's not all. Between us and you a great gulf has been fixed, to stop anyone, if he wanted to, crossing from our side to yours, and to stop crossing from your side to ours. The rich man replied, Father, I beg you then to send Lazarus to my father's house, since I have five brothers to give them warning, so that they do not come to this place of torment too. They have Moses and the prophets, said Abraham. Let them listen to them. I know, Father Abraham, said the rich man, but if someone comes to them from the dead, they will repent. Then Abraham said to him, If they will not listen either to Moses or to the prophets, they will not be convinced even if someone should rise from the dead. That's the Gospel for today, the 26th Sunday in Ordinary Time. Shane, you might share some thoughts with us, challenging ones for us today, definitely. Yeah, it's um, it's an interesting one, all right, this morning, John. Um, I think it's also one, I think, where people would agree, it's probably very familiar. It's the story of Lazarus, the poor man, and the rich man that suffers in Hades. Um, I, I, there's, there's different ways, I suppose, of, of approaching it and thinking about it this morning. And I suppose one of the things is, Sometimes when we approach a reflection on scripture, it's maybe good to put yourself 
into the story to see which of the characters that you would be. And I think for a lot of us, there is a slight, probably a bit of us twinging at the back of our minds, thinking we could actually very easily be the rich man, I think. Um, you know, in terms of we work hard, we play hard, we, we get on with life, um, we try to do the best that we can. And sometimes maybe we forget about the fact that there there are those that knock on our doors or outside our doors that we just don't see. And it's not necessarily a case that we just don't see them because we're cruel or because we're 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 bad people. Um, it's just that we can get so caught up <clears throat> in the busyness of our everyday life um, that you just don't see them. Now, I have to say at the moment, I'm uh, working in Dublin. And one of the things that has struck me since I've come back to the capital is the amount of people that are begging on streets. And it's 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 astounding, actually. And it's so noticeable, actually. Um, it's 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 like something that I would have seen, you know, when I worked in different cities in, in, in Africa. Um, and just, to, you know, but, but the other thing that strikes you about it as well is that everyone's so busy rushing by, um, you know, people that are just sitting there and you kind of wonder, do does anyone stop just for a minute just to check in with them and kind of, you know, see how they're doing? Um, and it's not just obviously in Dublin, it's, 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 it's all around us um, in terms of it's not necessarily someone that's homeless or that's a beggar, but also those that are cut off, I suppose, in our communities. Because I think one of the worst things that can happen is that is the isolation that people can suffer. Um, you know, and in, in, in one, one respect, when you look at the story of Lazarus, he was a beggar cut off from uh, those around him because of his status. And only the dogs on the street paid any attention to him. He was alone and cut off from his fellow human beings. He was cut off from humanity. And I think the question we have to ask ourselves this morning is, you know, who are those that we cut out? Who are those that we ignore? And then I think the question that needs to come after that is why? You know, more than more than who, I think the question we need to ask ourselves is why? Um, because like I said at the top, you know, we're not bad people. If you look at the story that we had in this morning's gospel, the parable that was given to us, that this man, well, he was in Hades, he was talking to his father Abraham, and once he found out that he couldn't do anything for himself, his next concern was for his brothers and his family. You know, and, you know, if you look about it, think about it, well, that's very much, that's us. You know, we look out, we try to do good for ourselves, and then we try to do good for our families. But it's a case of maybe why, I think, is the question that came to me this morning in terms of reflecting on both of those individuals in this in this morning's gospel, because that's that's a very important question that we have to ask, um, and it's an uncomfortable question. Um, a why question is very much an uncomfortable question, in terms of what is it that you know what is it that upsets us about that story, and then the question why. Um, it's like the whole debate that's going on at the moment in different parts of the country about the inadequate provisions that are there for those that come seeking asylum in Ireland. And, you know, it's very quick to retort and say that communities are being bigoted and racist. 
But it's also important to ask the question, why have they reacted to the way that they have, for example? Um, and to see wherein lies the issue. Because sometimes when you ask the question, why, of ourselves, we suddenly realize that maybe we don't know something or we don't understand something. We haven't walked in a person's shoes. And it's sometimes timely for us to stop and think. And I think that's one of the things that this Sunday's gospel does. It kind of, you know, it can be very comforting. It can be a very comforting gospel in that, you know, you know, Lazarus was looked after. You know, the, you know, Jesus said the poor law will be with you. And then kind of say, well, you know, the poor law will be with us, but should Jesus look after him in the next life? You know, that's a bit Pollyannish. That's a bit, you know, passing the book in some respects. Um, to be Christian is to be in community and to be in communion with each other. <clears throat> and that applies from the top to the bottom. And it's a challenge for us this Sunday to say, well, where are we in terms of the two men in this one, this gospel? And to ask ourselves the question, why am I uncomfortable sometimes with that position? Shane, thank you so much for sharing those few thoughts with us. Yes, definitely this morning, um, it, it's a gospel that would probably speak to all of us. Um, sometimes we might want to hear it. Sometimes we, want, we might want to kind of gloss over it. That's for myself anyway. Um, and I think one of the most important things this week is to read it a few times, to take time to reflect on it, to see. As Father Frank would always remind, remind us at Lectio Divina every, every week, just see where Jesus is trying to speak with us. We could look around ourselves this week and find ourselves people in our own circle who we're ignoring for one reason or another. They might be necessarily physically hungry, but they might be hungry because they want to be listened to. Or they might be hungry because they want to be forgiven. There's all sorts of hunger out there. These are just a few that I've just mentioned. The rich man's sin was that he'd done nothing to help Lazarus. Are we like that at times? We can sometimes, oh yeah, I'm a good lad. I, I didn't kill anybody. I didn't do anything wrong. But did, do, did they do anything good to people? Did they help anybody? Jesus speaks in the Gospel this week, not just to the Pharisees of 2,000 years ago, but each Sunday we read the Gospel. It's, it really is the teaching of Jesus to us as to how he wants us to live our lives. And from the experience of our own lives, then we can identify some of the issues mentioned. And certainly within our own lives, we know people who are rich and we know people who are poor. We know people who are hungry. We know people who are feasting. Ourselves are in all of that too. We, saw, we, we know people who are included and some people who are excluded. When we spend some time reflecting on the gospel today, maybe we can also bring to mind those people within our own lives who are affected by us excluding people, just treating people as though they really didn't exist, not even bothering to see them. So the last thought maybe Father Frank shared with us there during the week was that do we see Jesus in other people? Remember elsewhere in the, in the Gospels, Jesus said, what you do unto others, you do unto me. This week, I think we told that very loudly, you know, that those people, that the people around us, that are Jesus. Do we see Jesus in the people around us? Today again, we're challenged by the gospel to see Jesus in others. And the more we do this, the more we'll be able to reach out and help them in times of need. So again, I agree with Shane, you know, there's comforting parts of it in that, you know, our, um, Lazarus was taken care of by Jesus. But I think, that, I think the thing is this week, 
I think maybe we can see ourselves maybe in the five brothers, you know. And he asked, uh, he, he asked Abraham to go and warn his five brothers. Listen, lads, you know, don't end up where I am. Well, I think maybe we're the five brothers. Maybe we're also those five brothers today and be told, listen, listen to what happened now to, to the rich guy who thought he had it all and you see what happened. Anyway, thanks a lot, Shane, for sharing that with us. And we'll um, maybe take some time again this week to reflect on where this is all going in terms of our own lives. So thanks a lot for sharing uh, the program with us this morning, Shane. No problem, John. And then again, thanks a lot for, for, for joining us. And I think we might just go out with a piece of music this morning. I think it's probably ideal. It, I haven't played it for a long, long time. It's by Charlie Lansborough. And this one is entitled My Forever Friend. So next week from Shane and myself, God bless you all now. Bye. Bye bye now. Everybody needs a little help sometimes. No one stands. Alone. Makes no difference if you're just a child like me Or a king upon a throne For there are no exceptions We all stand in the line Everybody needs a friend Let me tell you of mine He's my forever friend My leave me never friend From darkest night to rainbow's end He's my forever Even when I turn away He cares for me His love no one can shake Even as I walk away He's by my side With every breath And sometimes I forget him My halo fails to shine Sometimes I'm not his friend But he is always mine He's my forever friend I leave me never friend From darkest night to rainbow's end He's my forever friend If you still don't know the one I'm talking of I think it's time Long ago and far away, upon a cross, 
my friend died for you. So if you'd like to meet him and don't know what to do, ask my friend into your heart and he'll be your friend too. He's my forever friend. My leave me never friend From darkest night to rainbow's end He's my forever friend He's my forever friend